0: Welcome to Sunday Morning. I'm Claire Bidwell-Smith, a therapist specializing in grief, and the author of three books about grief and loss. So hi. Last week, I focused on grief and regret, all the ways we can come through a loss still holding on to remorse about things left unsaid, undone, about not being there in the final moments, and just doubting a lot of ways that we could have, you know, acted differently or, um just kind of wanting to go back and uh, change things when we can't anymore because that person is gone. So I hope that that episode was helpful for you guys and gave you some ways to kind of think about the guilt in new ways and 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 really kind of think about ways that you're carrying it around in your life and, and how it's helpful and not helpful. And really just start thinking about, you know, forgiving yourselves. We all feel this way. I think I said last week that I've never met anybody who's lost someone and hasn't come through the grief process without carrying something, some kind of guilt that they wish they could release. But one of the things I also touched on in the episode um, that I want to expand on today is that sometimes I think that we hold on to guilt because it feels like a way of staying connected to our loved one, of honoring them somehow. It's kind of a hard thing to explain. Um, I know I experienced it personally after my mother died. I was so consumed with guilt over this idea that I could have been a better daughter to her at the end of her life. Um, not just having missed the opportunity to be there the night she died, but just in general, really feeling guilty that I could have been behaved differently at the end and been closer to her and been more understanding and open to her illness. But when I look back on this, I now see that there was a part of me that was really afraid to let go of the guilt because I was scared that if I let go of it and moved on in my life, and if I didn't feel terrible every day, that that somehow meant I was over my mother, that it meant I wasn't honoring her, that I wasn't staying connected to her. And that's... The thing that I'm really interested in in terms of the grief process with other people and what they're going through. Because I see this a lot. I see a lot of people thinking that holding on to this guilt or holding on to these really sad feelings all the time is a way of staying connected to them, staying connected to their grief. But I'm here today to tell you that there are so many more ways to maintain a healthy relationship with someone you love that is no longer here. So many ways to honor them and to stay connected to them. So many ways to move through your grief process and come out and let go of all the the hard feelings, the sad feelings, the guilt, the depression, the anger, and still feel connected to them and still be honoring them. So in this episode, I really want to talk about more ways we can feel connected to our lost loved ones. New studies have actually shown that grieving individuals who cultivate a strong sense of connection with their loved ones fare better in the long-term emotional process of grief. And I think that this is really interesting as a grief therapist and just as someone who talks to people all the time who who are going through grief. It is really true that those who are able to maintain a sense of connection to their loved ones are the ones who find more peace and come out on the other side, just feeling better emotionally. Mm -hmm. But I know that um, after my mom died, I wasn't open to feeling a sense of connection to her. I was initially really angry that she was gone. I was angry at her. I was angry at myself. I was angry at the world. I read in books and I heard people say that I should try to stay connected to my mom, but most of the time that just made me feel more angry. I didn't want to talk to an empty room. I didn't want a spiritual connection to my mom. I just wanted my mom like right here in the room with me. So for years, I wasn't even open to looking at my belief system around death and dying. I mean, I didn't really have one to begin with. I was 18 when she died, and we had been, like, I had been raised in a kind of light Christian upbringing. You know, my parents went, we went to Methodist and Presbyterian churches when I was growing up, but um, we were never very serious about it, and I kind of stopped going when I was in high school. And my parents didn't seem that involved. And so when she died, I really didn't feel like I had anything to turn to. No framework to understand death or life or the afterlife. Um, so I just told myself that when someone dies, that's it. They're gone. Because the alternative, opening up to the idea that there might be something more, something bigger, some potential way to connect with my mom... It just felt like more than I could handle you know i wasn't I was going through enough as a college student, as a teenager, about to lose my dad i just i it was too much to take on to kind of start looking into those things, and so I didn't. I just kind of shut down that part of myself and shut down that even that question or that curiosity. But what happened is that after my first daughter Vera, was born, um I began to think about things differently in a really kind of fast startling way. Vera's birth and her arrival in the world was kind of traumatic for me in a lot of ways that I never expected. And it's because I suddenly had this mother daughter relationship back in my life. Um, This relationship that I had spent years mourning and missing, and then suddenly I had it again. It was reversed. I was the mom now, and she was the daughter, but I had this, you know, this intense mother daughter bond that I had been missing for so many years. And while it was really beautiful and healing and just filled with love, um, it also caused my anxiety to resurface in huge ways. I became really preoccupied with the thought of losing Vera or of her losing me in the same way that I had experienced with my own mother. And so it was this anxiety and this fear of more loss that spurred me to write my second book called After This. It just was suddenly I was... 31 years old, and I had this newborn daughter, and I was working in hospice as a grief counselor, and all of those years of not wanting to think about what happens when we die went out the window. I suddenly needed to know what happens when we die, or at least I needed something to believe in. I needed to feel that if I died too soon like my own mother, that I would still be connected to my daughter, and I, you know, I was also seeing the same need in the people I was counseling just this really fierce desire to kind of know what happens next so that question led me on a pretty crazy journey which was just asking the question what happens when we die and are we still connected to our loved ones and that really just led me down a rabbit hole um that was my book and I I worked on it for about five years doing all this research I started out seeing psychic mediums um that was kind of the first thing I did, somewhat out of curiosity. um, Some of it was out of a promise I had made to a dying friend when I was in my 20s. Um, One of my best friends died when I was 21, 22. And her name was Julie. And we had known each other since high school. And she got really sick in college with leukemia out of nowhere. And um, our whole peer group of friends kind of went through her death together, went through her illness and her loss together. And it was really excuse me I have a little cold that my kids have given me it was really intense to watch someone our age die and face death and she had so many questions about it Um, I remember sitting in the hospital with her one day and she told me that she had never even known someone who had died she um, had not even lost a grandparent I remember she asked me she said Claire what if I get to the other side and there's nobody there to meet me And I remember sitting there thinking, wow, what would happen? Like, I I don't even know. It was just this huge question that I had never thought about or asked myself. And at some point that summer, when she was sick, I had picked up a book in a bookstore by psychic medium John Edward. And I was reading it and just kind of curious about it. And I was telling her about it. And this was kind of towards the end. And I made her this really, you know, like kind of naive, youthful promise. I said to her, I said, Julie, um if you die, I will go and see john edward and and find out if you're okay and and um and Julie and I came up with these like three code symbols that that she would have to come through with from the other side and and tell john edward and and that if I got those symbols, then I would know for sure that she was okay and alive um or not alive, but that she was okay on the other side and so I made this promise to her and then and then she died and um a few years after that my father died and then a few years after that you know I was in grad school and then a couple years after that I was married and had my first daughter and here I was 10 years after Julie's death and I had not made good on my promise and I was sitting here as a new mom really worrying about this connection this sense of connection what happens when we die are we still connected to our loved ones can they still see us can we still see them um And I remembered this promise I had made to Julie, and I thought, okay, well, now is the time (laughs) to make good on my promise. And um, I made an appointment to see psychic medium John Edward. He was one of the kind of big famous mediums back in the 90s. He had a show on the Sci-Fi Network. There's so many of them now, but he was a big one for a while. And I flew to New York from Chicago to go and see him. And this is the first chapter of my last book of After This. And... My experience with him was really surprising in a lot of ways. Um, I'm not going to get too deeply into it here, but it just wasn't what I I had expected. I went into it feeling really skeptical and really, as a grief counselor, really worried for the other people who were going to be at this group reading. I was worried that who, who would pay $600 to go and see a psychic medium? They must feel so so wrapped up in their guilt or their grief. They must feel so worried about um, their loved one. They must feel so sad. And I just imagined them to be in a pretty terrible place to want to spend $600 to see a psychic medium. And I, I also just really didn't think it was going to be real. Um, and I was, you know, I was worried. There was a small part of me that was worried, like, well, what if it is real? <laughs> like, what if, what if I go and see this guy and it's so real that I now have to reconsider everything I thought I knew. And that, that was a concern I had. And another concern I had was professionally, what would this mean? You know, like I didn't tell anybody and none of my colleagues um, that I was going to do this. And I thought, oh my gosh, a grief counselor going to see a psychic medium. like, this is really going to discredit me. Um, so anyway, all of those things that I was worried about, turned out so differently than I imagined Um, and the experience with John Edward while it definitely was not my favorite psychic medium experience it led me on this path to a lot of different things so from from there I saw a lot more psychic mediums Um, some great some terrible some nothing you know I saw probably two dozen I even went to a little tiny town in Florida um, called Casadega, where you can literally go door to door in this neighborhood and it the whole place is psychic mediums. And you can just literally go house to house and knock on the doors and sit down with different psychic mediums. It was pretty fascinating. But I didn't just talk to psychic mediums. that would have um, that would be. I don't know. That would be one way of doing things. But I also did a lot of other stuff. I talked to priests. I talked to rabbis. I got into shamanism, Buddhism. I went to Bali because that's where we're all supposed to go, right, for spiritual enlightenment. But I mean, I along the way, I found so many interesting ideas about the afterlife and so many different ideas about how to stay connected with our loved ones and so many different moments that changed my sense of connection to my loved ones, to Julie, to my mother, to my father, to another friend Abby whom I'd lost. And something began to really change inside of me. So what I came away with from the journey was with was that not the answer to what happens when we die. I really do think that that will remain one of the great mysteries that we'll simply have to find out when we find out. But what I did come away with was that it's possible to restore a sense of connection to our loved ones. And this sense of connection can come in so many ways. It doesn't have to come in the form of actual evidence that you're communicating with someone on the other side, although that would be cool. It doesn't have to come in the form of suddenly having a firm religious or spiritual belief, although that would be great too. What it really means is opening up your heart to the idea of connecting with your person even if you're not really sure that you are. I think most of us go through the process of loss, of losing someone we love, and then we feel like we're supposed to just move forward in our lives and let that relationship end. But I don't think that that relationship has to end. My relationship with my mother, in particular, has continued to evolve over the 20 years that she's been gone. I understand her in new ways all the time. I go through different emotional phases with her. Some years I've felt angry and distant and questioning of her. In other years, I felt really close to her. Like any relationship, it continues to change and grow. So what I came away from the research on this last book was with was the idea that rather than figuring out how to let go of our loved ones, we should work harder at staying connected to them. For a long time in grief counseling, in like mainstream grief counseling, the theory was that we needed to help clients let go of their loved ones. And there's been a real shift in that. Now it's much more, how do we help them stay connected? Because we see, and research shows, that that's when people really feel a sense of wholeness again, and a sense of peace and emotional well-being. I personally think it's, it's insulting to our brains and our hearts when we send the message that this relationship is over. How are we supposed to go from talking and interacting with this person that we loved all the time to just not, any, not doing it anymore? I can't begin to describe how soothing it can be to our brains and our beings to reinstate that connection. People ask me all the time if I think psychic mediums are real, and my answer is that I don't care. I mean, of course I care if they're real. If they are, that's pretty amazing. And if they're charlatans, well, that sucks and it isn't cool. But the reason I say I don't care is because every time I would go to these big psychic medium group readings where a bunch of people would be in a room and some people would be getting read and everybody would be listening, I saw this really remarkable thing. If the readings were good, what I saw was people having the experience of feeling reconnected to their loved one again. What I saw in that first reading with John Edward, I expected all these people to be really sad and scared. And what I saw was just people feeling so like just so warm and reconnected to their loved ones. Even just hearing other people, if say say somebody didn't get read in the room, hearing someone else and watching someone else feel that connection, it was like the grief groups I was leading in the hospital in the hospice. Like these people who would come in and sit around together and talk about their their grief and their loss, and they would suddenly feel not alone again, and they would feel reconnected to each other, and they would feel like their grief was okay. And I was seeing something really similar in these group readings at psychic mediums. Not only this sense of camaraderie in the face of grief, but also this sense of connection to their loved ones and, and the message that it was okay to feel connected to their loved ones. Like that, that's what was remarkable to me. So I started to feel like it doesn't really matter if the connection is 100% real. I decided I just didn't really care if that person is truly communicating from the other side. What matters is that we allow ourselves to keep our loved one in our lives and in our hearts. What matters is that we don't shut down that relationship. I think about people who lost like a husband, a child, a sister, a brother, a best friend, a mom or a dad. How on earth are you supposed to just end that connection to them? I don't think you're supposed to. I think that the way to heal and the way to find peace in your grief is to open up to that connection again. So today I want you to start thinking about ways you can bring your person back into your life. It can be simple things, just like writing letters to them, talking to them in your head, talking about them more in your life to your friends and loved ones. Or it could be bigger things, like deciding you want to explore your spirituality on a deeper level, or deciding that you want to start thinking about what happens when we die. It's a pretty fun question to ask yourself. When I was in grad school, I had to take this um, aging and dying workshop, and the teacher one day had us sit down, and she broke us into small groups, and she said, I want you to sit in your small groups and tell each other what you think happens when we die. And I remember we all like looked around at each other, and we were like, what? no one ever talks about this. I felt like we were kids, you know, like talking about something secret, you know, that we weren't having a conversation we weren't supposed to be having. And it was so fun to talk about this. And everyone in my group had completely different ideas. People had ghost stories. People were atheists. People, you know, had really strong religious beliefs. Like some of us just didn't know. We were kind of agnostic. But nonetheless, it was so fun to sit around and talk about. So when I was working on my last book, I just started asking everyone I knew what they think happens when we die. And it was, again, it was so much fun. Literally for like several years, I asked everybody I talked to, so what do you think happens when we die? You know, I'd be at coffee or over dinner or just meeting a friend. Hey, what do you think happens when we die? And everyone's answers were so cool. And, and I loved just opening up to the idea of thinking about it. And then this one day I was at a writer's conference, and I asked this writer friend of mine, this great writer named Rob Roberge, Um, I asked him what he thinks happens when we die. I already knew he was an atheist, but I just kind of wanted to hear his answer. And in typical Rob form, he turned to me and he was just like, Claire, what do you want to happen when we die? And I was stunned. I had never asked myself that question. All this time I had been asking everybody and kind of just kind of going along with that. But I, I thought, wow. What do I want to happen when we die? Like, if I could pick anything, what would it be? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What do you want to happen? Not like, what do you believe or what do you think you're supposed to believe or what have you been told? But what if you could pick anything you could imagine to happen when you die, what would you want it to be? So start there, you know? Ask yourself, what you think happens when we die? What do you want to happen when we die? And when you think about what you think... You know, ask yourself, is your initial answer something that you've been holding on to since you were a kid and your goldfish died and your mom told you that this is what happens? You know, or is it something you learned in Sunday school? Or is it some something maybe you decided upon when you lost somebody that maybe isn't really working for you anymore? Maybe it's time to reconsider it, you know, to like rethink it, to open yourself up to thinking about new ways of what happens when we die. I don't know. You can have fun with it. And you can have fun opening up to the sense of your connection with your loved one again. Death and loss doesn't have to be this big, heavy thing all the time. I mean, it is big and heavy, but I just don't think it has to look like we think it does. I think that grief is transformative. So let it open you up, let it change you, let it help you look at yourself and the world in new ways, and let it help you look at your loved ones in new ways. All right, so speaking of having fun, Next week, I'll be interviewing my psychic medium friend, Floor. Um, I met her when I was working on that last book, and she's the last chapter of that book. And um, she's really just one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy hearing her thoughts on all this stuff. We had a really fascinating conversation. So I think, um, yeah, I hope you tune in next week. Thank you for listening today. Uh, before I finish, I want to let you know that I have just launched a new website, clarebidwellsmith.com. You can learn more about me, find my books, and also see a range of counseling services that I offer. I work with clients around the world by Skype and phone and also here in my offices in, in LA. But if you or someone you know needs counseling around grief, I'd be happy to talk with you. Thank you again for listening today. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe regularly on iTunes. I'll be back here again next Sunday morning and I hope you will be too.